everybody. This is Reagan. Hi, everyone. This is James. Hi. Hi. Oh, welcome to, to the Auto Decoding Podcast. Fellow auto detailers, welcome to the show that features interviews with today's most successful auto detailers. This is the Auto Detailing Podcast. Here's your host, Jimbo Balaam. All right, welcome to episode 350 of the Auto Detailing Podcast. Wow, closing in on 400. I didn't even think about that. Uh, anyway, today's episode is a cool, cool episode. We bring Joe Conley back on, um, and he's got some more questions for me, but not to make it totally about me. Uh, I hope Joe will interact a little bit. Uh, but this episode, episode 350, is brought to you by autofiber.com, um, where you can save some serious cash on quality microfiber towels. Um, and Joe, I don't know if you've had a chance to try autofiber or not, but one of my favorite things is it's really hard to distinguish microfiber towels, right? There's a lot of companies that do it. But what I really like that Ian at autofiber does is he is an innovator so he's constantly sending me samples and and ideas and we text back and forth and jump on calls all the time and he's constantly his brain is constantly working and moving trying to get um trying to just be innovative and i love that um about auto fiber and ian so um for everyone listening if you want to check out or if you're in the need for some microfiber towels may i suggest the jimbo kit i don't know but you can check that out and more at autofiber.com and if you use offer code jimbo you could save some money there too also real quick joe sorry uh to keep you waiting but i wanted to thank everyone who jumped on the auto detailing livestream.com uh that was an amazing event it went like three hours um and it was awesome i think we're we have the replay available if you go to auto detailing livestream.com if you missed it, you could probably check it out there. But I did just want to say a big thank you to uh, to everyone who joined. So without further ado, Joe, you recently paid off your house. I think that was the last episode we did together. Uh, you paid off your house with your detailing money. So how you been since then? Uh, enjoying it. Crazy busy. Uh, it's a good time of year here in uh, south central Pennsylvania. Uh, phone keeps ringing. And it's uh, it's good to the point that I turned off AdWords. Nice. And I turned off Yelp ads because I can't respond quickly enough. Uh, and at the risk of sounding arrogant, that's a great place to be. That is a great place to be. And that, you know, it's crazy. We were doing the uh, we were doing the auto detailing live stream, and there was a gentleman who has a full time job um, as a truck driver. And uh, he, I think he bought my AdWords course, which by now is a little outdated, but the principles are still the same. But it is a little bit outdated. Um, which I, I honestly tried to take it down and then people keep buying it. I don't know how they're finding it. So, um, anyway, but he went through the AdWords course and he really doesn't like his full-time job, really wants to do detailing full-time. And it was crazy. We we're in the part of the auto detailing live stream where we were talking about like Google ads and stuff like that. And, and this gentleman, I communicated with him a little bit before he wasn't going to be able to make it, but he was going to catch the replay and he sends me a te or a Facebook message during the live stream and he's like, Hey man, this is nuts. I just landed a three hundred and fifty dollar job because of your Google AdWords course. See and I think he had spent like ten bucks in ads or something like that. And I was like, This is amazing. He's like, It's crazy. This is like hitting the lottery and I'm like, I know, man, I keep trying to tell people, but only some listen. 
Well, I know that was a, a big motivator for me when I bought the course uh, because then I had to justify paying for the course by getting the phone to ring by using AdWords. So there was the initial outlay, which wasn't a ton of money, and then the initial ad purchase. But then when the phone started ringing, that was a great sign because it works. And right. I didn't, I, I'm a bit of a pessimist and I didn't believe it till it started working. Then it was just a matter of me getting better at my phone skills so I could close the business instead of just having the phone ring, go to voicemail, et cetera. And I think we talked about this a little bit last time when, because you used to put flyers on, on doorsteps and stuff like that. But so when you were, how at, just to re kind of go over it, at your, at your most, how much were you spending on AdWords a month? In ballpark, um, it doesn't have to be exact. But. Yeah, two, 200 to 250, somewhere around there. And how many calls do you think you were getting a month on that? Uh, I don't know per month. I know per day it was maybe three or four and I was closing wow. one or two of those, but they were people who were already looking, they were already primed. So right. a exactly. couple of them were, you know, look, looky lose or my sure. kid just threw up in the back seat. But most of them were, Hey, I, I didn't realize the service was available. You're the first one who showed up. So I clicked on you. Right. So you're getting 60 to 90 calls a month, probably closing 50 of those, maybe even more. Yep, which wow. was perfect because I worked part-time in the summer at my full-time job, so I had the capacity to address it, uh, which is you know one of the reasons why I turned it off now, turn the, right. the faucet down a little bit. And that's what I did too, and I, I just, I have run, I started running a little bit even more targeted ads, but for the most part, mine have been turned off because I, I can't handle the influx. But we got some exciting things, maybe possibly in the works to uh, really start running some ads for AdWords for people that want us to run it. Anyway, that was not the point of this episode, but hopefully a little bit of motivation. Um, and Joe, like I said, uh, like I said before we started recording, I, we're Labor Day weekend. This episode's going to go live tomorrow on Labor Day. Um, and I had two other scheduled podcasts this past week. And between my schedule and their schedule, we just kept missing each other. And so I was, uh, was it last night? Last night I was laying in bed and I always welcome your emails, Joe. I, I, I am a little envious of how well you are, how well written you are. I just completely suck at writing. But <laughs> so I always enjoy reading your emails cause they're well done. Um, and they always usually give me some, uh, some idea to, to do anyway. So I was, I was sitting there thinking, man, shoot. It's Friday night or Saturday night, and I got to have an episode for Monday, and I don't really have anything. And yeah, I, I can, you know, I could pretty much sit down and talk for twenty minutes by myself before I get bored of myself talking. But your then I got your email randomly, and it was like, hey, I got all these ideas for you, and how about these questions? And I'm like, oh man, like every question I read was like. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's a great idea. And you're like, if you ever want, you ever want to have me on again, I'm like, well, you know, I really need someone else to take Kevin Davis's top spot of coming on the podcast so many times. So why not have it be? I think it's a tie between you and you and Pete. <laughs> so okay, we we all know I'm not even the same zip code, but I definitely appreciate the opportunity to come on because I got 20 questions for you. A couple of them have quick follow ups. Uh, if any of them. Or none of my business, feel free to tell me. You sure. can uh, pull it to Kembe Mutombo yeah. and just block it. We'll move on to the next ha one. Have we talked since we got LeBron? What's that? I missed that. Ha have we chatted since um, the best team in the NBA got LeBron? <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I'm I'm having under, trouble understanding <laughs> your English. Did you say best team in the NBA? I, I, it doesn't compute. Just wait. Should be interesting. Try as you might, I won't come onto that side of the of the uh, NBA. But <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. Another, another argument for another day. <laughs> I'll be honest. When I when I heard this the news of LeBron, I was like, man, I've hated that guy for so long as a player. Now he's on my team. Like I don't know. It was kind of like when I found out my wife was pregnant for the third time. I'm like, I can't really talk about it until I can process it in my head for a couple months. <laughs> so I'm still processing the LeBron trade. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're sitting there in uh, Seal Beach with your LeBron Lakers jersey. But I'll just uh, – it's a good thing it's not a video call. Yeah, right? <laughs> I did change my uh, my windscreen on my mic to purple because we're getting, we're getting ready for the season. <laughs> All right, let's hit me with the questions and feel free to chime in where you see fit as well. It doesn't have to all be about me. Sure. Uh, when you're talking with a potential customer on the phone, what are the red flags that help you to understand that they're not going to be a good fit? And what are the buy signals that you look for? Mm. So red flags, I think we've talked about this before and, and I'll try to give a different one from where I have before. Like, cause, cause voices like tones of voices, I can just right away, I'll get like a weird vibe. So it really has nothing to do with like an ethnicity or, or any of that. And it has more to do with like, if they're, if the tone of their voice just doesn't sit well with my ears for whatever reason, that's like one red flag for me, but I don't think that's could be necessarily universal, but key phrases I would say is like, um, if they, like if they start out with price, right? So if, if it's yep. very evident that price is an issue, um, it's probably not a client for me, not because I'm the most expensive ever, or I'm trying to take advantage of people or any of that. But if that's their focus, that's, I, I want price to be a consideration, but not the end all be all. Right. So, um, if they start talking about price, um, if they start talking about needing it like done like yesterday, that's usually a red flag for me. An old car, so, and I've I've toyed with the idea of even having a cutoff, but then I just get sucked in to do like these beater cars because it's always like a friend of a neighbor or something like that. But you know, I really <laughs> like a, yeah. a, a yellow flag. I guess would be like any car that's over five years old. I'm like, oh, you know, so usually that, but ba the biggest one for me is, is the red flag is the price. How about you? Um, yeah, it's interesting to say that. So if the third number in the year of the vehicle is a one, uh, thumbs up. Right. And if not, uh, then it's, you know, if they're prepping it for sale, that's one thing. And if they're right. keeping it long term, it's a garage queen. That's cool in the gang. But if not, then, uh, it's, it gets to be a little bit hairy sometimes, but what are the buy signals that you look for? What things do people say that, you know, all right, I got this customer, uh, they're already landed. I just need to make sure I handle this as a professional. Does that make sense? Ooh, sorry. Motorcycle went by. No, totally. Um, so I would say the hottest ones are, are, um, you know what? I just, I just had a, I just thought of a story, a guy that I, I did his car. He was throwing out, well, let me answer your question and then I'll give you a story of a time I was totally wrong. So, um, buy signals are usually like, Hey, I've done my research. 
Um, you look like the best in the area. I just, I want you to do my car or, Hey, my neighbor, Sally referred me. She said, you've been doing her car forever. You, you do a killer job. Like I want you to detail my car or so usually like a, a verbal referral or just a referral in general from someone are like the hot leads. Right. Or when I was running ads, it was just like, Hey, I need my car detailed. This is, I I've had it done before. Um, usually someone who's experienced with having their vehicle detailed, um, which I guess another red flag would be someone who's like, well, I've never had my car detailed before. Like that's kind of a red flag for me because then you have to go through the whole process, which I don't mind going through that whole process if it's going to be worth it. But, um, you know, buy signals are, Hey, I want to get something scheduled, like usually along those lines, but I'll give you a quick story of of one I was totally wrong on. So uh, I got a random call from a guy, wanted his car uh, paint corrected. He said, um, and I really, I, I, it's not that I didn't want to do it. I just, when you start, when you start talking paint correction with a customer, it, it's a long conversation, right? So I kind of like, I half-assed it with him, right? Like, just being fully transparent. Like, I half-assed the call, you know? And and was kind of like, eh, okay, yeah, like, maybe Monday I can come out and look at it. And then he texts he text me on Monday, and I was like, hey, I can't do it. Like, I can't come out and check it out. By the And I forgot to ask where he was located. And then he told me, and he was like 35 minutes outside of my area that I even like to work in. And I'm like, crap, yeah. I really blew this one. Like, then I started feeling bad because I just feel guilty for, I, I don't, I know how hard it's been to get to the point where I can kind of like be lax with some calls and it kind of bothers me because I realize how hard it has been to get to this point. So then I, I kind of get myself in a pickle and then I feel bad, you know? So I was getting to that point where I felt bad. And so I was going to have to go check out this guy's car. And what I did instead was I was just like, Hey, can you send me some shots of the car in direct sunlight? And then he sent me like, the most incredible pictures ever. Like, so then I was like, wait, what? Like this guy really, and he kept like following up with me, following up with me and like a week or two went by where I was kind of like, I would either ignore him or not respond or take, (laughs) I'm embarrassed to, to admit this, but I would take a long time to respond or whatever. And then he sent me these incredible pictures. And so, and then I, I like, I told him it was going to be like, 500 bucks and I was only guaranteeing about 50 to 60% correction on his car. It was a white Mustang. And, uh, I, I, I thought that was a lot of money, right? Like, eh, it seems like kind of a lot for like 50% correction, you know? And so I was cut and and then he booked it. No questions, no haggling, no nothing booked it. (laughs) And I was kind of like, wait, what? So I was really nervous. Like, in my opinion, all the red flags were flown. Like I shouldn't have done this guy's car. It, it, it was really going down a path that wasn't cool, you know? And, uh, so I, I booked the job, I get there and the guy, op- and, and then he doesn't answer the door. He, he opens the garage, right? Which is like, for me, another red flag, right? Like, man, I ring the doorbell and you don't even come to the, anyway. Right. So then I meet him and I'm like, He's a super nice guy, right? Like, incredible guy. And then he's like, yeah, I just spent yeah. all this money in detailing equipment, and I look over at his cart, and then he's got the Jimbo kit on the cart. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, is that the Jimbo kit? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, 
why do you have that? He's like, you told me to buy it. I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? Like, because, and, and this has been a question that's been asked a lot. Like, oh, do I get work from having a podcast or a YouTube channel? And up until then, the answer was really like, not that I know of. You know, like a lot of my regulars or a lot of my customers have no idea I do like this podcast thing. But like when I saw the Jimbo kid, I was like, what the heck? And then was there a moment where you thought to yourself, I hope somebody knows I'm here just in case I don't walk out of this place. But so interestingly enough, I told my wife like, hey, I'm really nervous about going to this person's house. Like I I, he didn't negotiate the price. He kept following. He for some reason, he really, really wanted me to do the car. And, and I'll be honest, that is extremely rare. Like, you know, for someone to be that diehard about me doing their car is extremely rare. Right. And so I was very nervous going to this guy's house. So, um, yeah, there was full communication about where I was going. And when I ever get nervous, I'll always like send my location to the, to Heather and be like, Hey, this is where I'm at. Like I'm a little nervous, but whatever turns out, and long story short, the guy was a cop, and he was extremely nervous about having anyone come to his house. So, and he had, and he didn't like anyone coming to his house because he was a he's a cop and he's kind of protective over his family and blah blah blah. And what had happened was he had had he had used like the Washe app a couple times or like the on demand car wash apps, and he's he's had a couple yeah. random people come to his house. And they like stole things out of his his car, his wife's car. And so he was going to do everything himself from now on. And he was going to detail his own cars. And so he started researching it and then came across me, apparently. And so started watching my videos and listening to the podcast, I guess, about how to detail a car. And then bought a Jimbo kit and blah, blah, blah. And what had happened that I was unaware of is that trust had been built between him and I. And so I became the only guy he wanted to do his car because he trusted me because of all the content I had put out there. Um, and so it was fun. And I ended up telling him that whole story of like, dude, this was weird. Like you didn't negotiate the price. And he told me straight up. He's like, honestly, you could have been double the price and it would have hurt a little bit more, but I would have paid it because I just wanted you to do it. And I was like, oh man, then I felt really bad that I like kind of ignored this guy. And like my, <laughs> usually my spidey senses are pretty good and they couldn't have been any more off on this instance. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, I feel so bad. And, but anyway, yes. Well, then I got a good follow-up question. Do you use a phone script or do you just wing it? I just wing it. I, I, I really, I mean, I have my set. I don't use a script, but there's definitely like, the same questions that get asked over and over and over and over and over. And I'm sure you know this too. So it's like, I do have my general like checklist of like, okay, what colors the car? Well, first it's like, what city do you live in? What colors the car? When's the last time it's been detailed? Uh, why aren't you all usually ask like, well, why aren't you having that guy detail the car again? You know, because then with that question, what I want to pick up on is, is, what did they do wrong? Because then I'm going to hyper-focus on that. It's kind of like when you get to the car and I always ask the customer like, okay, what are your big pain points? Like why did, what was it that got you to finally call a detailer to come out and fix? Right. Is it, Yeah. and uh, you know, usually it's like, well, the steering wheels dirty or, or maybe it's just, you know, it's just time. I just felt like it needed a wax or whatever, but 
I like to ask a lot of questions to the customer because they'll tell you exactly what their expectations are if you just listen. So, gotcha. Do you do you have uh, lettering on the new Tundra, or are you like some kind of detailing ninja and you have no identifying text none. except for what's on your t shirt? None. I have no identifying text on uh, no sticker, no nothing. Um, and I thought about maybe getting like a customized license plate, but um. I haven't, and and mainly because, so let's see, when I started out, I had a trailer, and I had it plastered on that, and then I had a van, and I had it plastered on that, and I took it off of that when, like, right around the drought in, in the city I was living in, uh, the city of Seal Beach, they were, I happened to live right next door to City Hall, and they were just, <laughs> which, like, literally right next door to City Hall. And so I came out a few times and, and I was kind of, I was getting busy by that time because I was starting to run AdWords. And so like, I started to think, okay, I get stopped all the time for people to ask how much, right? Cause they see the lettering. Yep. So it's like, I go to the grocery yep. store. It's like, how much I go here, how much like, and so it just gets annoying. You're like, I, I just need some bread. And now I'm in, out in the parking lot talking to, you know, Brad about his like 2003 Camry and I got to get, <laughs> I want to get home, you know? So, but around the time yep. I started having trouble with the city, uh, and they, uh, weird things like they were taking pictures of my van parked on the street, telling me that they were using it for evidence and, and all this weird crap was going on. And I decided, you know what? Like, n not only when it's plastered on the side of my van, not only does everyone know what I'm doing, which could be good, but also everyone knows what's inside the van, right? So, yeah, yeah. you're rolling billboard, which is great, but if you don't want the attention, it's like unwanted attention. So I stripped the – that was when I had a Chevy Express, and I've never had anything on my cars ever since then. So it's been – um three four it's been going on five years where i haven't had anything on on my vehicle um and now it's honestly moving in towards i don't even like wearing my jimbo's auto detailing t-shirt uh because i make stops during the day right so it's like i'll need to run into costco or here or starbucks or whatever and it's like oh you do detailing huh and i'm like yeah but try I, and i don't want to be like trust me you're not my client you know what i mean <laughs> because I don't want to be rude, you know, but, but yeah. yeah, no, no lettering anywhere. How about when you are in like a residential neighborhood or a busy place? I know you said you used to park out in the parking lot of the strip mall mm -hmm. uh, where your father had a store, but yep. you currently put out like a sandwich board or one of those flag things that, that blow in the breeze or a giant inflatable dancing man. So that passerbys and nosy neighbors <laughs> see who that guy with. Uh, you know what the great hair is who's actually detailing their neighbor's well, vehicle hey, you know usually i don't even need anything because the hair says it all um no <laughs> i don't i i do think it's a, like a maybe a sandwich board sign or an a-frame sign is a great idea and it really depends on what stage of your business you're in right so so for me it's kind of i have all these other activities going on and i have a very tight schedule and i've actually had to like segment segment my schedule a little bit so i really i i've kind of cut back on 
the type of detailing I do or the type of services I do, right? So like there's no regular car washes anymore. Even the the level of detailing is starting. Supply and demand is happening, right? So my my supply is getting lower and my demand is getting higher because my supply is lower, so therefore my prices are going up. So um the 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 services that I offer are getting tighter and tighter. Um so for me and there's Google AdWords, right? So I know that that would be a way more efficient way to get new clients than putting yeah. out an A-frame sign. But if you're if you're a detailer looking for business, you never know how a customer is going to find you. So my opinion is if I was actively looking for additional clients, I would be doing everything. So I would have the A-frame sign. I would put a, in the back of my truck, I would like put uh i don't know what you would call that like a pole stand so when i got there i could put one of those flags that go in the breeze and and i would be foaming freaking everything right because <laughs> because and this is a funny yeah. story i foamed a car i was foaming a car in a residential neighborhood and a cop drove by right and i'm like crap here we go and then he he banged a yui and i'm like dang it like crap how am i and i i instantly started thinking like okay how am i going to talk my way out of this one like okay everything's eco-friendly biodegradable everything's labeled i'm good to go sds sheets like we're solid right and the cop pulls up and he rolls down his window he's like dude i love those foam things like i have one for my car at home and like i love it it's just so cool to see and i'm like Yes. And luckily that day I had like a Jimbo hat on, a Jimbo's auto detailing shirt. I was in Seal Beach. I'm like, sweet. My cars, my trucks right there. I'm like, sweet. They know who I am, which is a great thing. Right. And the guy's cool. I'm like, nice. But, but I would, point being, it drew attention. Right. So I would be doing everything I possibly could to draw attention to me and my business. Um, if I was actively looking for work, I'd be running ads. I'd be, have the sandwich board. I would be dropping, uh, you know, flyers at uh, adjacent neighbors' houses that I'm doing the car at. Um, uh, everything. Gotcha. Um, have you been able to leverage any apps or websites like Nextdoor to get your customers to spread the word through localized testimonials? Yeah. So the Nextdoor app specifically has been been pretty good. Um, and the way I found it most effective, I think you can run ads on Nextdoor, Um, but the way I've seen it be most effective is if you can get, um, like either a testimonial, like you said, or when someone is asking for it, cause that will happen often, uh, where someone's asking for a plumber or a car wash guy or whatever. But if you have your little army of cronies or clients that chime in with your name and you get three, four people saying the same name, it's you're going to get those calls. So every once in a while, I'll get like an influx of calls from next door. And I'm like, oh, someone must have posted something, you know. And then I used to follow it. But honestly, like, I don't know if you're on next door, Joe, but the or what your neighborhood's like, but man, my neighbors, too many lost kittens. It's annoying. Gosh. It's like, what was that loud noise at four 30 in the afternoon? It's like (laughs) probably a jet. I mean, I don't know, you know, like there's teenage kids skateboarding down the alleyway. It's like, okay, like who cares? You know? So there's, there's a lot of that, you know? So I don't even, I used to get the email alerts and stuff and then it's like, 
I don't care about any lost cat anymore, you know? <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, this next question you sort of answered, but I'll ask it anyway, because you might go in a different direction. Uh, have you ever had to detail in a sketchy neighborhood or in a shady situation besides I, the yeah. top that you talked about? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Seal Beach is the most northwestern city in Orange County, and it butts up to the the southernmost city in LA County, which is Long Beach. And, and Long Beach is a very big, very diverse uh, city, many different neighborhoods of all economical uh, standings, right? So there's very wealthy neighborhoods, there's extremely poor neighborhoods, uh, very ghetto parts. And, and one time, Back when I first started, I was in a BNI networking group and it was getting me a ton of work, but I joined the group in Long Beach, in a nice part of Long Beach, but what happened was people in that group worked in not so nice parts of Long Beach. And one time I got called out by this lady to do her car. I think it was two cars, or maybe just one. And she was like downtown Long Beach, which at the time was not a nice place. They've since now kind of cleaned it up and put like cool lofts and all that and it's getting better but at the time where I was and for how naive I was at 19 it was not a good area where I was at and uh, and this lady I had a trailer that wouldn't fit in the parking structure because she worked in a high-rise and her gated parking structure was where her car was but I couldn't do it in there so I had to pull it out to the neighborhood and it was just I've never been so scared in my life to detail a car and I think I did a full detail in like an hour and a half because I was just I couldn't wait to get out of there because I had a trailer <laughs> and I had to have the trailer like fully open right so then I'm I'm just like and let's be honest I'm like a white guy right like they don't get whiter than me blonde hair blue eyes white guy like with this 10 foot long trailer sprawled out with all this equipment working on this car and I had like I had people asking me for money. I had people uh, cutting between the back of the trailer and the front of the car I was working on, which is like five feet of space, you know, like cutting through there, hanging out, checking out the trailer. And it's like, man, here I got to run like a vacuum, an extractor, all this loud equipment. So I got my back to people like and right. I think I quit the networking group like a month later. And right then was when I started to say, okay, I need to, if I'm going to an area that I'm not familiar with, I have to really look at it and assess it and make sure I'm safe <laughs> or at least feel safe. And nothing happened to me. I just had like that uneasy feeling the entire time and I hated it. And I probably, that detail was probably horrible, but I just, I felt so incredibly uncomfortable there was like an obscene amount of homeless people, people that look like gangbangers. And like, I just, I, I, I did not want to be there, you know? And not that I've been like, look, I've had like Mexican friends, Asian friends, black friends, white friends. Like I, I I'm, I'm okay with different ethnic groups, but not, not the ones down there, you know? Well, I'm reminded time. of the words of the uh, recent American philosopher, who said so much drama in the LBC? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite. One of my favorite. Uh, and that's what's funny, right? Like my favorite uh, genre of music is like 
early 2000s hardcore rap like late 90s early 2000s hardcore gangbanger rap is like my favorite type of music and then i got thrown in that situation and i was like whoa 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 i this is not this is not me <laughs> this is this is not what i'm about i just like listening to the music not actually being in there well, something tells me instead of talking your way out of it, you could have beatboxed your way out of trouble. That I, day. I, I doubt it because my beatbox skills are horrible. <laughs> we used to try. I played basketball in high school, and so we used to always try to freestyle battle. And I learned very quickly that there was two oh. things I wasn't going to be in life: a rapper and a basketball player, a professional <laughs> basketball player. <laughs> so, so speaking of rigs, uh, is your current rig the best setup you've ever had yet? Like, if I walked into uh your garage right now and, and handed you 50 grand and you could just go out and spend it on whatever would it be another tundra or would it be something different or are you pleased with what you have um, I, i'm really happy with what i have it's incredibly simple but i've kind of tried to challenge myself to make it as simple as possible um because you just start going down the rabbit hole of like all these different tools and all these different products and it's just like it becomes too much in my opinion and then, I, yeah, I mean, I really, I really enjoy the setup I have right now. There are some things that, like, I probably would like a camper shell with the the instead of windows, it has like the pop, the things that pop up um, for yeah. a little bit more height. Um, but I really like the separation between me and my chemicals. Them being in the the truck bed, I remember like when I switched from a trailer to a. Uh, a van I had like a splitting headache for the first two weeks because I could smell the fuel and all the chemicals and the heat and like you know I just I had major headaches for a couple weeks um and so I I really enjoy the separation um and I like rolling around like I really like having a truck that looks nice that I like as my personal vehicle that I can just kind of cruise around in and then I have like my stuff in the back if I need it Gotcha. Um, this next question kind of strange, but go with me on this. Um, so I wear, usually wear sneakers unless it's late fall. Yep. And then I got to switch to boots. My feet don't freeze, but I usually wear sneakers, but then they smell worse than dead fish. And when I wear sandals, not only is it unprofessional, I look like a giant dork. Right. So what do you wear for footwear? <laughs> do you wear socks with your shoes? Hey, 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 I'm old. <laughs> you, you mean socks with sandals or socks with the shoes shoes? <laughs> I hope you don't wear <laughs> socks with sandals, but socks with shoes, shoes, you do? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, otherwise, they're going to smell even worse. I mean, yeah. you, you don't want to do a sniffy sniff test anywhere right. near me, you know, <laughs> day or after. I, I hear you. So I only wear, uh, I only wear one kind of shoes year round for pretty much everything I do, unless I'm going to go run, like do an ex exercise run. Um, I wear Vans Authentics, um, not the soup, not the ones that are becoming super popular that everyone's wearing right now. Some people wear the Authentics, but they're called Authentics by Vans, and I usually only wear them in either blue or black. And the sh the ones I wear for detailing are my retired personal ones, so I'll buy a fresh pair, wear them around, you know, for everything outside of work and then when they get gross i start wearing them detailing so um because i'm like you i i would i used to wear sandals 
when I first got started. And then I remember thinking the same thing like you, like, this looks very unprofessional, right? Like, and then not only that, what if you drop something on your toe? Like, that really hurts, right? But I really don't like, so maybe this is TMI, but like, my feet get really hot and sweaty, right? Like, even if it's cold out. So I don't, and I, I, if I wear like a heavy shoe, I feel like claustrophobic on my feet. I know this is like getting way too into it, right? So the only shoe that I found that I like that's comfortable, that doesn't make my, they don't feel real bulky on my feet are these, these vans. So I wear those for everything, everything. Gotcha. Um, have you ever detailed fleets of vehicles like medical transport vans, ambulances, police vehicles, work trucks. Uh, I know you used to do the uh, corporate office uh, group washes, um, but I'm really focusing on on fleet work with this question. Yep. How have you done with that? Or was that something that did coming up and you don't do anymore? So I, I did have one account with the police station um, and I actually had someone else doing it for me. So I like subletted it out to another detailer. Um, the, the problem, the problem that I was running into with it is they pay like nothing, like nothing. Right. And they don't expect quality. It's just, they really want to get the dust (laughs) off. Right. So, but they pay like crap. And so, and then I would have handled it differently now than I did at the time. And I don't have that account anymore, but um, I, I did have, it was, they had, they told me the budget allowed for 200 cars a month. Um, and some months we were hitting close to 200. Um, but then they would like complain about some random thing or really when you had, they had 250 police cars. Um, and so the idea was we're trying to get it on. First of all, I wasn't doing it. So I tried to train the guy to do it in an assembly like fashion. Cause that was going to be the only way to make it work. Um, it had to be an assembly line and, and it had to be straight up hack work. Like we weren't dressing tires. We weren't degreasing rims. We, it was barely getting soap and a wipe down. Right. So, yeah. and you weren't going back to do the windows, right? It was like, you'll hit the windows as you dry it and that's going to be good enough. But we did get to a rotation where the cars weren't so bad but then when we did that, like the there was a issue with the facilities manager and the guy that I had doing it where the facilities manager would come out and micromanage and then tell the guy not to do certain cars because they looked clean. But really, he needed to do those cars to stay on top of it, right? So they wouldn't be totally destroyed by salt and sand and, and whatever. And eventually, it, it just became like, look, this isn't worth it. You guys need to just run it through a tunnel. You know, you don't want to pay, you want to pay 10 bucks a car and that's what it was. It was like 10 bucks a car. I'm subbing it out to this guy and making like $2 a car right off it. So even if you hit 200 a month, I'm making 400 bucks. There's nothing but hassles for this. And eventually I was just like, I'm done. Like this is not worth my time, you know, to do it. So it was, uh, it seemed good in the moment and it and, and i think a lot of those do seem good like oh my gosh 200 cars and i'm spending the money before i even got it only to find out like oh it's 10 bucks a car like ouch 
<laughs> you know, yeah. so. sometimes when you do the math, it hurts, right? Exactly. Exactly. So a hack I figured out was uh, funeral directors, realtors, insurance agents, those types of people, when you go to their websites, uh, they usually list not only their personal email, but also their personal cell phone number. Um, <laughs> and it's a direct way to contact them. But have you ever gone after specific segments of the population in a targeted mailing or email blast or text campaign? And if so, how'd that go? Um, I haven't. So I was going to, other than Google AdWords. So uh, Google AdWords and then texting my list of of past clients has been the only two things that I've done. I did before I started Google AdWords and kind of what led me into the Google AdWords thing was I was going to do a direct mailing um I was going to do a direct mail campaign because uh, Pete, who I work with on a lot of this stuff, was used to do a, a, a ton of direct mail. So I figured, you know, direct mail, he was telling me, like, look, your return is like 1%. That's a good rate. A good return rate's 1% of people to take action on it. And so I was actually ramping up to do a direct mail campaign, and I was scouting neighborhoods that I was going to hit. And honestly, at the time, it was just going to cost, like, 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks, something like that for the the printed material, the postage. I mean, it was really starting to add up and I was, at the time I'm like, <clears throat> you know, I I don't have that kind of money to spend for a 1% return if I'm lucky. Yeah. You know, so that yeah. progression well, you better spend on AdWords. Right? Well, and I but I wasn't even running AdWords at the time, so I didn't even know. I was just looking yeah. for different ways that I could target certain neighborhoods. And so in my search of like, okay, what are the highest uh, income neighborhoods in my local area? Um, what What's the highest house price? You know, all the little searches that I was doing for my direct mail campaign, um, it led me down the path of like, well, why don't I just try AdWords because I could spend five bucks a day? You know, why don't I just try that first? Because that's a lot cheaper. I could spend 20 bucks or a hundred bucks instead of 2000, you know, and needless to say the rest is history, right? Like never made it to the direct mail campaign. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how often are you approached by organizations seeking out a donation and how do you handle it? So you're not giving away a ton of free work. Uh, so I'm hit up the most by golf courses around me that, are looking to advertise for their tea cards. So yeah. I don't really, I don't ever golf. I'm familiar with the sport, but I don't golf. So I, I would assume that would probably be like a good deal. And a lot of them, in fact, I just got a call like last week for, uh, for, uh, for one. And they're like, it's free. All you have to do is offer a discount. Um, and, and realistically at this point in time, I just say, hey, I can't take on any more work. I'm just so busy, you know, and that's kind of the way to, I get out of it. Um, it's just like I can't. It's like you with running more AdWords. It's like I, I just can't take on the work, you know, and honestly, it's not the most efficient way or effective way of marketing for my business, in my opinion, because I got to offer a discount to try to get a result. Like I don't have to offer a discount. I could just run AdWords and get a result, you know. Right, but. Sorry to interrupt, but what I was yeah. what I was coming after was like let's say the local Rotary is doing a, a wine and cheese night and yep. they have a silent auction and someone connects with you and says hey would you would you donate X Y or Z 
Um, are you often approached? And if so, how do you handle that? I, I'm not, I'm honestly not approached that often about that kind of thing. So are, are you? Yeah, every once in a while, but they're, they're, um, local organizations that I believe in. So I'm happy to, it. to comp it because a lot of times the person who's asking is someone who's, uh, affluent enough to then want to engage with me for their own vehicle. Uh, either that, or they do that just out of guilt because they're asking me for a freebie for, you know, the upcoming silent auction. So it, it usually works. And I'm not to the point where, um, I'm, I'm getting that request so often that I need to worry about it. Right. I'm just curious, someone like yourself or someone who's further along in their career, if, if that's something that you have to kind of fend them off. It, it's, it's definitely not something that, that I get asked very often. I can't even think of a time that I have been asked. I'm sure there has been. And, and honestly, I think it's just a case by case situation. And then, like you said, if it, if it's an organization, my first thought was like, okay, my daughter's going to like school now, right? Like elementary school. So I'm sure they do a silent auction once a year. And so I'm sure at some point I will get poached or asked to donate service. And like, I think, you know, I'm still not, I, I still am not above doing free work. Like I will still do a free detail if it aligns with something that I believe in, something that I just plainly want to help out in, you know, I still do free work all the time. You know, if, if a client's super nice, like for example, that, that cop that I told him 50 to 60% paint correction, like after we talked, I I was going to do a one step. I ended up doing a two step, almost got the car perfect, like spent way more time there than I should have. I was there like all day, but he was a nice guy. I was willing to not lose money, but like, you know, I was there six or seven hours. Like it was double what I was, what I was thinking, but I think it was just be a case by case because I think it could be a good business opportunity for future work. But I do kind of think you should, I don't know if I don't want to should on anyone, right? Like you should do this, should not do that. (laughs) But I think if you believe in the organization, you should just count it as a loss, right? And not expect anything out of it other than you having to do the service, right? So don't, don't expect yeah. the rich people to be guilted into supporting you outside of that. Just donate and give because you want to be a nice person and give to that organization, not because you expect something in return. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's a um, long-winded answer. To time check. For something I have never really done. <laughs> we're good. Well, time check. Uh, we're only halfway through the questions. Did you want to uh, call today or you want to keep on plugging along here? Let's do, let's do one or two more. I, I, I'm kind of feeling like this, this podcast is extremely self-serving for me. So I don't want to bore people to death. I love your questions and I really, really appreciate you doing this. I'm just feeling like, and maybe it's not coming across like this, but I just feel like it's totally self-serving. Is that, is that accurate or no? No, I, I okay. came up with the questions cause I, I sit there thinking, you know, what would, Jimbo or, or what would Oscar or what would Luke, okay, you know, cool. there's times where I think, you know, business wise, what do these guys do and how they handle okay, this stuff? Good. So, I just want it to be um, valuable to people. Not, not just like, you know, Oh, Jimbo's opinion for 45 minutes. Like awesome. You know? So that's all I just, <laughs> I, I want it to be a value, not of just selfish interest. So let, how about we do two more 
because that'll probably get us to write about an hour and then this will give us an excuse to do this again. Sure. Sure. Um, let's go numbers wise then if, if okay. they're still tuned in and listening at this point, maybe you yeah. can drop some hacks on them. <laughs> yeah. uh, what metrics do you always review and what's the frequency of which that you review them? I review mainly my income. Uh, outside of metrics of like, you know, well, now it's constantly, I'm checking my metrics as far as like my social growth and social following. Um, but for my detailing business, I am, uh, mainly income is what I track. And then I do pay attention roughly to like how much I'm charging per service. And, and I've actively tried to raise that price every year. So when I first got started, I really got stuck in the not raising my prices. And I still don't for regulars. So for regulars, unless they get a new car and there's a or a good opportunity for me to raise a price, I really don't. I have a client that I've had for 10 years and and I've never once raised the price on him. Maybe that's bad business on my part. It's just extremely awkward for me to be like, hey, you've been so loyal to me, right? You give me five to $6,000 a year, and now I'm going to raise the price 20 bucks. Like, I yeah. just, it, it, it didn't, and I could be totally wrong in that. I just, to me, that is awkward and uncomfortable for me because I value his loyalty too much. Uh, but every year for new customers, I do raise my prices. So I keep track of where my prices are at um, and I keep track of my income. So because, so, yeah. Uh, to, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, just to follow up on that, what metrics did you use to chase that you realized were a waste of time? How many cars I did in a, a day or a week or uh, like I used to think it was funny to be like, oh, how many tires did I apply tire dressing to? Or or how many pieces of glass did <laughs> I clean just today? Weird. Just weird. <laughs> like I would think about it on the way home because I cut my teeth on on office parks, right? So it'd be like, holy crap, I dressed like forty five tires today, you know? Like it would get to a point where I just didn't want to see another tire, you know? Or like how yeah. many cars did I vacuum today? And so like those would be kind of fun to like riff off and and try to be like, oh, look how hard I work, I you know, 15 times four, that's, you know, that's how many tires I did, you know? And it's just like, who cares? You know, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Like, you know, yeah. so. So last question, it's a little weird to go with me on it. Uh, if you had two rides in a time machine, what would you tell your 25 year old self about business or detailing? And where would you go on your second ride? So 25, I was only five years ago. So what would I tell myself then? What was I not doing five years ago that I'm doing today? Like the podcast and all that. I would say um, like just your um, – I want I, – I'm trying to think of something that's not so cliche that everyone else says. But like I, the first thing I would say is like you're right. Like, trust your gut, you're right. Like, everything I thought that I wasn't confident in, I was right about. So that, like, just trust your gut. Don't listen to 
here's a big lesson that I've learned just in general over the past couple years is that people will people everyone has insecurities right and this kind of transcends detailing but everyone has their own insecurities right and what I found is a lot of times not all the time but a lot of times people will take their insecurities and they will try to push them onto you right so whatever they happen to be insecure about um so let's how can i practical example like um shoot i can't think of anything but if you think of an insecurity right they try to project that insecurity onto you and call you out for it even if it's not true in your life does that make sense so yeah and it would make more sense if i could think of a freaking example but i can't but but just think of an insecurity that someone may have about themselves and then that person trying to project that onto you and then and then calling you out and saying you know saying their insecurity to you like um oh gosh what what was i can't think of one but so i would say that's been kind of a revelation to me of like whoa people do that and it's their own flaws, not your flaws. Because I remember thinking, like, I'm not like that. Like, like, here's a good one. Oh, for you, it's all about money. Like, all you care about is money and how much money you make and money, 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 money. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't really – money to me is just a tool, right? So what, what money represents to me is opportunity, and what I'm really about, like when it, if brass tacks broken down, the only thing I really care about is I just want opportunity in life. Like that's it. So the way I look at it is the more money you have, the more opportunities you have. Right. And that's what also I love about detailing is I feel like y you, you get access into all these different people's lives. And so all these different people that we call customers are opportunities right? Because maybe you work for a high net worth individual and he needs a wingman or, or, you know, you never, it, it, there's just like, like opportunity is abounds everywhere. And so my overarching theme is like, I just want opportunity. Started a podcast because it gave me an opportunity to not only talk to people that I wouldn't necessarily have access to, right? The McGuire, Barry McGuire, like, come on, I was a friggin' mobile detailer. Like, I couldn't just roll <laughs> up to McGuire's and be like, I want to talk to Barry for an hour. You know what I mean? So, yeah. or even down to conversations like this, like I would have never met Joe Conley from Pennsylvania. And you know what? Joe's a great dude. And there's, there's hundreds of Joes out there that I've met that I reflect back and I'm like, wow, I would have never had the opportunity to meet these people, like solid people. I would have never had the opportunity to meet these people if I wouldn't have started the podcast. But in fact, in order to start the podcast, I needed money to fund. Like when I started the podcast, my computer was so bad that the charger had to be plugged into it for it to work. If it became unplugged, the computer would shut off, right? So it was like, <laughs> that's how bad my computer was. And I needed money to get a new computer because also the software was so outdated that I couldn't run the programs I needed to run to record podcast, which is why I recorded on my phone because my phone was so much better than my computer. Right? 
So, um, I, I don't even know why, what led me down that tangent, but, but people will project their own insecurities. And what I found out was like, no, I don't, my insecurity isn't money. Yeah. You need money, but it's just a tool. Right. So like, I'm not, it's like the same Joe and you'll, you'll get this. Like the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Right. And, and we get it twisted and people want to say, no, money is evil, but it, but it's no, the love of money is the root of all evil. So, so having money or being rich is not bad. Right. And, And that, I guess that could sway depending on your beliefs. Right. But so people used to use that and be like, you, you shouldn't, you're in love with money because you want, I'm like, dude, I just need to pay rent, you know, and I'm busting my butt over here trying to work and, and, and no, I don't love money, but you need money to live. Right. So it's just part of it. So I, I would say, you know, to anyone who's still listening through my whole ramble that, that people will project their insecurities onto you. And I think it's just so important to be like work really hard at becoming confident within yourself and your, your truths, whatever those may be. And I know that's kind of a universal, like woo woo kind of statement, but like be confident in yourself and you will be able to, uh, knock down those people that are trying to, uh, project their insecurities onto you. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, yeah, you just went, uh, you went all TED talk on me, but it was good. I appreciate it because <laughs> while you're saying that, I was thinking of earlier the projecting. You know, I'm bald, so I take a crack at you about hair and hair products. Maybe that's maybe that's a practical example. I don't know. I never thought of it that way. I didn't. So, that's uh, funny. I didn't consider take me it guilty that. as charged. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I didn't take it that way, but maybe that could be an example, right? I don't know. And I was searching for a better example than the one I gave, but no, no. But but seriously, I mean, we don't see our own BS. It it takes other people to call us out on it. So it's 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 important that you say that that um you know that that you've found that over time that that people project, and just because they project and lay their their turd in front of you doesn't mean you need to step in it. And, and sometimes it's their own their own. Um... Another thing I found too, and might as well just riff on this for a little bit, is like if they've never done it. So say they've, um, I'm a big time like dreamer, goal setter, visionary. Like I love the big picture, right? Like I I have huge aspirations for my life that are that are incredibly abnormal, right? And I've come to the conclusion that 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 is the case that the the life that my parents my in-laws people in my direct circle have lived is not a life that i'm okay with right and that's and nothing nothing wrong against them and i'll use my own family as an example but they've they've lived a a a good i would say middle to upper middle class life right which is great yeah. I have no complaints about growing up in Seal Beach and, and all that. It's not – Seal Beach was not what it is now, what it was when I was growing up, but that's everywhere, right? But my aspirations and my dreams and goals are way bigger than that, right? So so what I realized is that you can't always share those goals out loud because people have um, people have had goals in their life and then they haven't – 
they they've maybe had to shut those goals down for other things right and so they haven't been able to achieve the goals that they once had for themselves or reality struck right and and maybe reality hasn't hit me yet of like hey that's never going to happen right so but but i think some people in my life have become cynical of life in a way and so they also will project that onto you of like man don't dream so big like you're going to be disappointed when you get there when you don't get there you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. hey, take it easy. You don't have to work so hard. You don't have to record a podcast Sunday afternoon at five o'clock. Like, don't work so hard. If you miss an episode, it's no big deal. You know what I mean? Like, like, why do you want all that anyway? Like, remember, it's not all about yeah. money. And it's like, dude, man, it's not about money. Like, I just want, like, I look at it like, hey, if my kids want to start a business, I want to be in the in the position to be able to offer them the opportunity to start that business. Or if they want to be humanitarians and go live in Africa, and that's like their passion and their calling and their everything, like I want to be able to fund their lifestyle to do that. Or if they want to be doctors, I want to set them up on the best foot possible to to be the best at that. You know? And and so it all comes back around opportunity though. You know? I just want opportunity. That's it. So I don't know if any of that uh, makes sense. I want to thank you for, yeah, it did. And uh, I want to thank you for taking the time and helping, uh, helping those of us who are coming up uh, to kind of sift through all the the mistakes and and whatnot. So it's helpful to peek behind the curtain and uh, you know, that this might be focused on you probably hyper-focused, which is uncomfortable for you. uh, But I think it's helpful. And I guess, a month or two from now, you'll see based on the number of views, whether or not other people thought so also. Well, I appreciate that, Joe. And and I think you're the real superstar here of taking your time because you're three hours ahead of me. So you're at, you're at 8 PM on a, on a Sunday night, taking the time to talk to a little, little mobile detailer from California who was crazy enough to start a little podcast. So I think you're the, the real hero of this, of this show and willing to, I mean, you have, you have, you know, I guess you have stuff to gain from this, but not, I don't know, not a ton or maybe you do. I don't know. So I, I appreciate you taking the time and, and wasting your, an hour of your life to talk to me. It's not a waste. I okay. completely disagree. I, okay. I appreciate it. Well, that's good. If people, how about this show? If people, where are you located in the country? Where do you service? And if people want to pick your brain, how can they, how can they reach you? Sure. Uh, South Central Pennsylvania, uh, specifically York County. If they want to reach me, they can just go to my website, makemyautoshine.com. Uh, I'm not anywhere else on the interweb. I don't do social media. So if they send me an email or they can call my cell, they can text me. You know, I'm not a fan of texting. I've learned how to do it and, and mm. realize the need to do it from a business standpoint. So yeah, if I could be helpful, have them reach out, please. Definitely. Oh, it looks like you do police cars too. Recently, yeah, uh, nice. one one particular account that just popped up, and uh, it was it was a great connection. Happened at a great time. It was just a timing thing. So how's how's that been going for you? Well, that was uh, that was one police department, and I want to say that was seventeen units. But from that, uh, two of the people scheduled, uh, two of the, the patrolmen scheduled their own vehicles, uh, and a third one was going to schedule, but it was a big black, um, Tahoe. Mm. And I told him, Hey, you might just want to get this repainted. Cause what he was telling me he wanted wasn't going to happen based on the amount of 
spider web uh, and micro abrasions and everything else. I mean, yep. I could just tell his expectations were yep. showroom and it was just a big black SUV you know, that he's going to probably pay me uh, the same amount that he could pay a decent body shop to, you know, just sand it, repaint it and put clear on it. That's awesome. That's, that's put... okay, brother. I'll be right there. Okay. Looks like I got to go hunting for rocks. So I, next time we talk, <laughs> I, I, next time we talk, I want to talk more about those accounts. I think that would be interesting to get a different perspective on that. Was that 17 units just as a first time, just as a one-time hit? Or do you maintain those as well? Um, I don't know the frequency that they're going to want. I told them because I, I put sealant on the cars. So I told them just to okay. get through winter yep. that instead of waxing it, I should probably seal it for them. So yep. uh, in the spring, I can imagine they're going to want another service um but awesome. yeah that was it was just a one of those great timing things awesome that's great all right joe i'll let you get uh on with your evening i appreciate you taking the time i'm gonna go hunt for some rocks and uh, i'm gonna get this all right man Have i'm gonna get, Take get care. this episode up and it'll be up tomorrow morning all right buddy all right joe have a good night see ya